Hello everyone, welcome back to the Scouting Guide Podcast. In this podcast, we're going to try to read all the merit badge books that Scouting has to offer. In this episode, we are going to be reading the Emergency Preparedness Merit Badge book. If you're following along, we are on page 70. Now, let's begin. Nuclear Power Plant Emergency About 100 nuclear power plants currently operate in the United States. While there have been very few nuclear accidents at these plants, an earthquake and tsunami in March 2011 triggered a serious accident at a nuclear power plant in Fukushima, Japan. A 12-mile exclusion zone around the plant displaced 78,000 people during an emergency at a nuclear facility. Radiation can be released that is dangerous to people near the plant. State and local governments have preparedness plans for areas in a 10-mile radius and 50-mile radius from all nuclear power plants. You can get emergency information from the power company that operates the plant or from the local office of emergency management. You and your family should have and be familiar with this information. You also can become familiar with the warning systems that will be in place. These these could include sirens, alerts on radios, or rote uh, alerting, the use of mobile public address systems to notify the public. If sirens are used in your area, find out what they will be tested so that you, you can hear what they sound like and how well you can hear them from your home. This is a good advice for warning sirens used for other emergencies such as tornadoes or dangerous thunderstorms too. Learn about the emergency plans at places where family members might be, such as at schools, child care centers, and nursing homes. Learn where people are supposed to go if there is an evacuation. Be prepared to evacuate with emergency supplies, as you might be there for another emergency. There are four levels of emergency at nuclear power plants. A notification of an unusual event is... The less serious, something unusual or unexpected has happened at the plant, but the public does not have to do anything special. Emergency officials are notified. An alert means that something has happened to reduce plant safety, but all the backup systems are still working and no one is in danger. A site area emergency is more serious. Small amounts of radiation might be released into the air or water, but these levels are still expected to be safe outside the boundaries of the plant. A general emergency is the most serious problem. Radiation could leak outside the plant and off the plant site. Sirens will be sounded or other alert systems used. You should listen to the radio and watch television. Local authorities will provide information and instructions. Follow their instructions promptly. You may be advised to evacuate or take shelter. If you are told to stay indoors, close doors, windows, and chimney dampers. You want to keep outside air from getting in. Turn conditioners or the refrigerator. If you can go into the basement or other underground areas, stay there until you are told it is safe to leave. Do not use the telephone unless absolutely necessary. All lines will be needed for emergency calls. If you are told to evacuate, stay calm. You will have plenty of time to leave. When outdoor, cover your nose and mouth with a handkerchief. When you go back indoors, change your clothes and shower. Put the clothes that you are wearing in a plastic bag and seal it. When you leave your home, lock the doors and windows. Keep car windows and vents closed. Listen to the radio for updates, evacuation routes, and other instructions. Review the emergency information you got from the power plant company, which will include a map of evacuation routes and where you can find relocation centers. Authorities will monitor radiation release and will let the public know when any danger has passed. Emergency in a public place. It seems that we hear about emergencies in public places more and more in schools, office buildings, shopping malls, and restaurants, and even in places of worship. 
As in your home, recognizing potential emergency situations is the first step in preparedness. In your school, for instance, do you see any fire hazards in the building? Are conditions and practices in shops, labs, and gyms safe? Are the waste conditions, storage, and disposal practices safe? If you see any unsafe conditions in your school, tell a teacher, the principal, or another adult who will listen. One important thing you can do when facing any emergency is to stay calm and clear-headed as you can. In a public place, this can be especially important because there may be other people around you who are afraid and not acting in a safe manner. You may have heard the story of someone yelling fire in a crowded theater. The audience members all react at once, rushing for a door as they try to escape. Such sudden, unthinking reaction can cause more serious accidents, and even death. So, learn how to control your own fear. Try not to give in to it, as it can cloud your judgment. If you are calm, you may be able to help other people stay calm. Set an example. Always remember that you must never endanger yourself when you are facing an emergency. If you can safely do so, call 911 for help. Otherwise, sometimes the... Sometimes, the wisest thing you, that you can t- do is to protect yourself and wait for help to come to you. As much as possible, be prepared for trouble strikes in public. For instance, get to the habit of looking for exits in any public building you enter. Be aware that in some situations, the best thing to do is to keep yourself safe and possibly leave the scene if you can. Saving lives. During an emergency, you may help save lives by using your knowledge of first aid of situations that might be dangerous. Earning the life-saving merit badge, for instance, will prepare you to react safely and effectively in the event of water emergencies. Here are some other emergency situations. Contact with a live wire. Household wires. Electrical appliances usually are safe, but eventually wires fray, plugs break, and parts loosen. Furthermore, circuits in your home might be overwhelmed with too many extension cords and appliances. It is extremely dangerous to touch a live wire, that is, a wire that has electrical current running through it. If someone grabs a bare spot on a live wire, he might not be able to let go. Call 911 for help. Pull the plug or cord by grabbing it only where it is well insulated. Or, get to the main electrical switch in your home and shut it off the power. If you cannot shut off the power, try to push a household wire away with a dry wooden stick, like a broom handle, or a rolled-up newspaper, which does not conduct electricity. If that does not work, you can separate the victim from the wire, but make sure you are not standing on a wet surface, because water is conducts electricity. If possible, put on heavy, dry gloves before trying the rescue. Otherwise, you can use a dry handkerchief, towels, sheets, or other dry cloth to encircle the wire and pull the wire from the victim's hands. Do not touch the wire, the victim, or any ground objects such as water pipes. Power lines. Windstorms, rain, ice, and snowstorms can down power lines and plunge towns into darkness. If you see a power line down outdoors, call the electric company, police, or fire department so that they can shut off the power immediately. Stay nearby to warn others of the danger, but stay away from the power line. Do not attempt to rescue anyone in contact with the power line, using the advice given for someone in contact with the household electrical wire. Both the current amount of electricity and the voltage, the electric pressure, in a power line is extremely high and simple insulation in a power line to such broom handles do not provide enough protection. Be aware that an incidental electrical shock could travel along a metal force for a significant distance. So, guard against the possibility of falling power lines you cannot see. The Electricity Merit Badge pamphlet also has more information about the electrical shock, accident prevention, and rescue techniques that will help you be prepared for electrical emergencies. Clothes on fire. 
Accidents involving burning clothes are among the most common causes of serious burns. If your clothes catches fire, remember to stop, drop, roll, and cool. Running will merely fan the flames and cause them to burn even more. Try to keep calm. Stop where you are and drop to the ground. Roll over and over to smother the flames. Cover your face with your hands. You can use this technique if someone else's clothes catch on fire too. Get the person to stop and drop, then roll him over and over several times. If you can, grab the rug, coat, jacket, or blanket to wrap around the person to help smother the flames, but do not waste time running off to look for something. After the fire's out, cool water will help cool the skin and reduce damage from burning. Call 911 for medical help as soon as possible. Drowning. If you know the rescue methods, reach, throw, and row, then you may not have to go. You might be able to save a drowning person and avoid drowning yourself during the rescue with a reaching or throwing rescue. These are non-swimming methods of rescue. If you see someone who is in the water and needs help, you should never you should use a reaching method or throwing to assist and to help the victim. You should never endanger yourself by going into the water and swimming out to the victim unless you are trained to do so. Reach with anything you can, your leg or arm, a broom branch, paddle, pole, lying on the ground, or otherwise bracing yourself from dock or solid ground. Reach the victim with something he can grab onto. Pull the person to shore. You can lengthen your reach by weight by wading into the water or by holding onto a dock or other form of anchored object. Throwing to help a victim is the person is out of reach. You may find ring buoys attached to a line ready for use at most protected branches and poles. A throwing rescue does not have to involve something with a line attached to it. Anything that floats will be enough to support the victim will help. Life jackets and flotation cushions, inner tubes, air mattresses, kickboards, empty water jugs, and even coolers. Row. A person in trouble if you cannot reach or throw to help. When you get near the victim, row backwards to him or her to allow the person to grasp the back of the boat. Once the person has calmed down, decide whether to tow the person a short distance to shore or carefully help the person on board over the back end of the boat. If a buddy is with you, your buddy can hold onto the victim while you tow the person ashore or help steady the boat when helping the victim. Use a boat when on board a motor if you can, especially if the victim is far from shore. Stop the motor as you get near the victim and then reach out with a paddle or pole. If a canoe is the only craft handy, use it. Approach the victim carefully if you have a flotation aid, such as an extra life jacket. Throw to the victim as you approach. Otherwise, sit on the bottom of the canoe. Extend your paddle to the victim, and once the victim has calmed down, decide whether to tow the person to shore by holding onto the end of the boat, or whether to use your paddle to steady the canoe as the victim climbs over the side. If you overturn, get the victim to hang onto the canoe. Swim to one end, and with a strong kick, push the canoe back to shore. Make sure you are wearing a life jacket, particularly if you are not a strong swimmer. In a tight spot, you can also use a surfboard, a paddleboard, or an air mattress in the same way as a canoe, but only if you are comfortable in the water, such as a rescue would not be considered a swimming method. Ice Rescue Reach, Throw, and Go, and Ice Rescue Methods If you see someone fall through the ice, act quickly, but think clearly. Decide on the best rescue method. If you can, call an adult and 911 for help. Reach. If you cannot reach out from shore and pull the person in, you might be able to reach out to the person with a pole, tree branch, or, or, or a ladder. Anything that will reach. Push it over the ice so that the person can grab it. Throw. 
Throw a rope into the person if you can. Put a loop, bowline, in the end of the rope so that the victim can slip over it himself or herself if necessary. The person's hands might be too cold to hang on. If you have a ring buoy tied to the end of a heaving line, slide it across the ice to, to the victim. Go. If you cannot reach a throw, go, but carefully. Move spread eagle over the ice and wiggle your way to the person. Once you get closer, reach to the person with something long. You want to go out on the ice as little as possible. After you reach someone from ice water, get him or her indoors right away. Hypothermia or lowering of the body temperature to dangerous levels can be another emergency if fully conscious and able to swallow. Have the person drink something warm, such as a warm water or broth. Move the victim to a shelter. Replace wet clothing with dry, warm clothes, or wrap that person in anything handy like jackets or a sleeping bag. Wrap towels around the water bottles filled with warm fluid. Then, position the bottles around the armpits and groin areas. For more information on the symptoms and treatment of hypothermia, see the first aid merit bed pamphlet. Lowering a person in a commercial harness. Mountain rescue teams may have to lower an injured person from a cliff or down rock faces. A firefighter may have to lower someone from a window of a burning building. A commercial harness, such as those that climbers and rappellers use, also can be used in emergency rescue work. Many scouting activities use harnesses that can be self-tied, but for safety's sake, during an emergency rescue, it is recommended to use a commercial harness and carefully follow the manufacturer's instructions. A person who is conscious and not badly injured can hold onto the rope as you pay it out. As you do so, turn the rope into the person being lowered, can use his or her feet to keep from banging into anything on the way down. Work on the rope hand over hand. If you let it slide through your hands, you could burn them badly. Lose control of the rope and drop the person. Long distance moving. An unexpected can happen anywhere and sometimes from far from help. You may need to transport an injured person for a long distance and save a life by doing it. When moving an injured person, no matter what method you are using, make sure you rest enough so that you do not become second casualty. If you and your buddy are doing the transporting, stop every 30 to 60 minutes and rest 5 to 10 minutes. How often you stop will depend on how much the victim weighs and how rugged the train is. Two first aiders can transport a conscious person with a four-handed seat. Use this carry only if the victim is conscious and can hold on. Each barrier grasps his or her right wrist with his left hand. These two barriers can lock hands with each other. The person sits on their hands and places his arms around their shoulders. The two-handed seat can be used if the victim is conscious but not seriously injured. The barrier is near on either side of the victim. Each barrier slides one arm under the victim's back and one under his thighs. The barriers grasp each other's wrists and shoulders, then rise from the ground with the patient supported between them. If you must carry an injured person for a long way, make a litter or stretcher. You will need two strong poles, branches, or small straight trees, and a blanket, tarp, sleeping bag, or shirts, or jackets. To make a sleeping bag litter, slip the two poles inside the bag and cut the poles so that they are a foot longer than the bag. Or, you can use two shirts for the litter. Bottom all the buttons. Then, turn the shirts inside into the poles, overlapping the bottoms of the shirts in a more secure bedding. Test the litter strength before you try to carry anyone on it. Carrying the person feet first, unless you have to go uphill, then carry the lit him head first. Keep the litter as level as you can. If the injured person is conscious and you do not have a litter, you can use four-handed seat. To make a blanket stretcher, place the pole on a blanket. Fold over two-fifths of the blanket. 
Place the second pole six inches from the edge of the folded part over. Bring the edge of the blanket over the pole. Fold the wrapping part of the blanket. The person's weight will keep the blanket from unwinding. Practicing in a practice drill will help you be prepared in case a real emergency happens. Community Emergency Service For as long as there has been scouting, scouts have been preparing outdoor service and emergencies of all kinds. You can learn about emergency preparedness. You can help to prepare for, respond to, recover from, help prevent, and mitigate emergency situations. But carrying out emergency service work is the best training of all. As a scout, you know about living outdoors, camping, cooking, first aid, and how to make a shelter. With knowledge like this, you and your troop can be prepared for emergency services in your community. Utilizing procedures established by the National Incident Management System or Incident Command System helps troops respond more efficiently during emergencies in communities. The standardized framework enables local sites and federal organizations and agencies to work together efficiently and build shelters, for example, or distribute food and water or other vital supplies. Instead of operating individually, multiple entities can join forces and combine resources. Lending a hand. There are many important ways that scouts can lend their assistance after an emergency. Below are four of the major services scouts has provided in the past. All of these skills takes planning and practice. Crowd and traffic control. Scout troops in the past have held police and fire departments and emergency management officials handle crowd and traffic control. Today, it is felt that scouts should do this only at official Boy Scouts of America functions. In any case, crowd and traffic control must be done under the supervision of the officials in charge of the situation. Each member of a crowd control crew should be have access to caution tape to move a crowd back. Crew members can use the caution tape held at chest height and advance slowly towards the crowd. To keep the crowd back, form a chain with other staff members. To direct the movement of a crowd, indicate direction by pointing or blocking the way. During daylight hours, a fluorescent or reflective vest should be worn. After dark, every member of a crowded control crew should wear a reflective vest or high visibility material on the right ankle and arm. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Scouting Guide Podcast. Next week will be a brand new Merit Badge book that we are starting to read. And I want to thank you all for listening to the Scouting God Podcast. Signing off, until next time, see you then.